What's up, fam? Welcome back to another episode of That's the Angle, hosted by me, your boy, Bruce Allen. In this interview, I sit down with Adam Mason. Adam Mason is a really cool guy, but also a professional wedding photographer in Washington, D.C. Uh, it was great to have him on the show. He is a ball of just good energy and great conversation. We we really hit it off. It was, it was really cool. So, guys, I hope you enjoy this episode uh, and get into the mind of an extremely successful photographer in the area, just straight up killing it, destroying it. But anyways, guys, besides that, uh, can't wait to get back on the interview grind. Uh, we're on a week vacation, so that kind of interrupted things, but I have some really great guests lined up. Can't wait for you to see. Until then, enjoy. Yeah, it's, that's like a whole different ball game, man. Yeah, it's super weird. This is awesome. I love this. Yeah, just, and I love like getting to meet in person and Yeah, chat. it's good to finally meet you, man. Dude, you're the man. You know how a mic works, right? Yeah, I got you. I, mean, I even brought I, my own I, headphones. I was like, I don't know if he does cans, but I was like... You know, I could totally do... Uh, we don't have to, unless, if, unless no, it's no, better no, for you. I, we can't do it now, but like I thought about getting... Because like, I only have one one output, oh, but yeah, I couldn't... Interface. Like, I'm like, I don't know if I really want headphones. Like, Do you really think they're that crucial to a, to a podcast? I don't think so. At least in this space, we can hear each other, talk to each other, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um... And it's not like a lot of, uh, I don't think there's a lot of bleed over or anything like that. So no, I think it's fine. Yeah. I know people say like, it like locks you in. That's for sure. I feel locked in. My phone's on do not disturb, you know? <laughs> oh, shit, yeah. Let me do that too real quick before, <laughs> before we get into it. I'm just in podcast mode. I had two, uh, already today that where I was interviewing. So I was like, uh, I know the deal. I know the deal. Oh, so now, so now you get to chill. That's right, man. I get, to, I don't have to worry about what questions I'm going to ask you other than my actual like curiosity questions, you know, just like, who's this Bruce Allen mother trucker? No, it's <laughs> yeah, dude, it's, it's always chill being on the other side. Yeah. I was this on is the, great, man. Yeah, How dude, long have you been in the space? So this actually isn't my space at all. Oh, okay. So this is my homie Amir's and he, this is called home DC. Okay. So it's like an art gallery meets like boutique, but mostly art gallery. Yeah. And he does like a lot of like functions events and then i do this on wednesdays so it's just all over the place over here yeah that's so cool yeah so now i just have a key and he lets me in dude that's that's ideal right there man i love it it's dude this is so cool yeah it's got a whole vibe i feel like people watching can't see it but there's totally like a bunch of really sick uh what is it tattoo inspired wood panels around yeah no, 100%. They'll probably be in the thumbnail or something, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Tribal art, you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, what's up, guys? Welcome back to That's the Ankle. Today, I am joined by Mason, or Mason Photography, as you might know him. Yeah. What's up, man? It's good to be here. Yeah, man. It's good to have you on. So, wait, so you, you said you just got off doing two podcasts? Yeah. So I have a, my own podcast called The Bearded Tog, where it's primarily, I just wanted to have conversations about what it's like to build a business and uh, as somebody who's like doesn't have a business degree you know I wanted to like the real conversation behind it so uh, I mostly interview mostly photographers with other business people people I admire people I'm curious about and just like like today we had a, a National Geographic photographer on and no way yeah it was awesome she's incredible but my number one question was like I felt kind of lame for her but I was kind of like how do what does it mean to be signed by Nat Geo, right? Like, that's like what every photographer wants is you want to be yeah. Nat Geo, like at least back in the day, it was 100%, like, I want to be yeah. a Nat Geo photog. Totally. Yeah. Pre Instagram, I think that was like that was your your goal. And so I was <laughs> kind of curious just to, though about like how do you make money? Is it a contract? Is it a retainer? You know. What'd she say? Uh so she essentially said that it's a lot more difficult than I thought. So she for the most part, and, and this could be just for her, but she's one of the big ones. Like she um she has to put together a budget for a certain project that interests her and then pitch it to Nat Geo. 
Oh, well, so and it's that, like it's like she comes up with everything. There's no assignments or anything. Yeah, whereas press is more assignments, mm-hmm. you know, fashion more assignments. Um, you know, like I have a buddy that works for the Washington Post, and it's kind of like he'll get a call the night before, like, hey, you're going to California. And we're like, all right, I guess I'm going to California, you know, which is cool, whereas her thing was like, uh, very DIY and then Nat Geo can decide to like invest in that project. Um, oh. and, and you know, there's, there's conversation. I imagine she didn't allude to this, but about deliverables, like, Hey, what are we actually going to get? Um, and I guess her being like consistently on there, there was, um, they probably know like what they're looking for and have a conversational aspect versus like if you were I, or at least for me, like being new, I'd be like, uh, I have all these questions, you know, <laughs> what do you actually do you want? Uh, and so, yeah, it was, it was really kind of insightful, you know, cause it's just everybody makes money in different ways. Is she an know? older photographer or is she like a younger photographer? Uh, I want to say in the middle, I think in she's between 48 or 50. Oh, see, cause that's totally that generation who was like, I want to be a Nat Geo photographer. Oh yeah. She's every photographer yeah. is like, I just want 10 K. Right. <laughs> that's all I want. Like, I just want to swipe up right now. I'm lazy. Yeah. It's completely changed. It's so different. Nobody wants to go to your bio. <laughs> your bio is dead. You can put anything there and nobody's going to go. To it. <laughs> Dude, that's so crazy. Cause I, I feel like that's such a dead magazine. Like no offense to her, but yeah. like, I feel like that medium, like the yeah. travel, that's like the one thing, one magazine I can think of that does the travel photography it's like yeah that's yeah I think her thing is and maybe the reason it's like still working for her but I know it's definitely a grind that's like the impression I got from her is it's not a luxury it's not a golden you know web that's catching her was that um you know was like the it's cause based you know for her like she's more she's more interested in what's happening in the window shut itself. That was so freaky. It was like someone banged down the window. Terrifying. Uh, it's the ghost of Nat Geo. No, um, talking shit about Nat Geo dog. Yeah, exactly. But she, um, she cared more about the causes, you know, and then like if she can, it's one of those things where if she Mm -hmm. can make a living off of what she's passionate about. So I think that helped a little bit, you know, like she, yeah, like right now. So she's still doing stuff, even though it's not for the magazine. Right now there's, there's always some like crazy political shit going on. They could always cover so I mean, like yeah, China, the China protest, dude, those look insane. It looks I saw so. This video, it's a lot of people. Like the triads, it seems like some some video game, but literally there's triad like gang members out there attacking yeah. the protesters, and they're like guys, dressed up, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then the protesters are attacking them back. Now I'm just yeah. like, what the heck is going it, on, it, dude? There? It's I, I always say we're like one bad decision away from that movie, The Purge, you know, or like <laughs> something like that, where it's just like, oh, it's it's about to get gorilla. Well, dude, they're in like a unique situation. Like, I don't know too much. Do you know a lot about what's going on over there? Only a sliver that the, like the, the laws and government between Hong Kong and China as a whole, and as we think of it, are different because Hong Kong's like its own territory. It's owned by Britain. And so that's and, crazy. And so like a hundred years ago or something, Britain was like, all right, a hundred years in the future, AKA 2020. Yeah. It, the, the city of Hong Kong is going to be turned over to China. Oh. And so now the crazy thing is like China outside of Hong Kong is, is, is like, I'm pretty sure isn't like communist and stuff like that. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. 100%. So, so it, right now people if they're living like how we are and they're like, holy shit, it's about to become a communist state. Uh, what is about yeah, to happen? That here? makes sense. That's why they're freaking out. Dang. Yeah. I knew there was just some different kind of law and I knew that it was, uh, yeah, going to be a different feel for them. And they were definitely like not into it. And I thought it was similar to like state versus federal law. Like Hong Kong was like, no, we want to keep this ourselves. And so, no, that makes sense. That's, that's insane. Could you imagine being a, like a photographer over there right now? Dude, I, there are times when I like really want to, you know, like my buddies that do press, I'm always like, that seems so much more important to me than like right. photographing happy couples. It's, <laughs> it, it seems like I want the challenge, you know, like I want the street cred. Um, but at the same time, you know, like, 
those same buddies, they're like, yeah, just take like bulletproof vest training and gas mask training. <sighs> gotta wear a helmet. Yeah, you gotta wear a helmet to shoot and a, and a sign that says press, which like 20 years ago, people gave a crap about and like wouldn't touch you. But now you can't trust anybody that says press, you know? And if you worked for, like for a blog, you could say like, that's bad, you know? Yeah, it, it, it could, could be, be rough. It could be the wrong press. Right, 100%. That's so crazy, man. Like, yeah, yeah. Some part of me is looking at that video I was talking about, I was like, yeah, it'd be so sick. But then I saw a press guy run up in the frame just like that. And, mm. and they were like, and he was like, press, press, press. He's like pointing to himself. Oh. And I was like, and he still got a couple whippings, and I was like, dang. That's terrifying. And at least in the States, I know we have a few, uh, both on like the left and the right, red and the blue, where if they show up at the wrong protest, they like kind of, I don't know what it's called. I, I'm not into all the political terms. Like an Antifa like, protest? Yeah, or even or even the other side of things where it's like a gaslighting or whatever, and they're like trying to get the people to mess with them. Yeah, they're trying to get people to mess with them. Oh, you know? like trying to but, but like press would never do that. You know, like official journalism rules, you know, the like, traditions say that you don't do that. That'd be pretty badass if you're like the press who went and provoked and just got the most epic shots. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's, it's, it's curious. Like, that's so messed up. Whereas like you and I could go there, we're not press, like we... Not that we don't have integrity, but we don't have journalistic integrity. You know, we, we're not required by our profession to have that. So it's like, oh, we could do whatever, you know, and I don't know if we would, but it's it's for journalists, old school journalists, they would never do that. But I feel like new school, like, again, if you run the right blog or you run the right Twitter account, you could do whatever you want. So. Yeah, it's so interesting because like photography wise, what they what they do, it's like they're putting their lives out there, in a, like essentially, especially it's like trying to like you're you're risking something. Yeah. Like you, like you say you shoot happy couples and weddings. I shoot like fashion whenever other gigs come my way. Yeah. And it's like there's zero risk. Like except for today, I was literally like taking photos on a construction site and I had yeah. to wear a gas like a little sure little mask. But mm, yeah, yeah. It makes our it makes what we do seem so medial. Like totally. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, my mortgage is very thankful. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Like so. Dude, you must crush as a wedding photographer, man. I feel okay. I mean, we're, I feel super lucky. Um, you know, the wedding industry in general is like occupied by a lot of ladies, um, which is totally fine. Um, cause I mean the industry, when people get married, like the bride for the most part, traditionally America, like leads the charge on booking stuff. Um, but I feel like in DC specifically, and over the past six years that I've been here, I found my niche of couples who just want something different and um, they still want to be taken care of like a luxury vendor, mm. but they don't want it to feel like a hoity-toity experience. Oh, um, like they, yeah. they want like a good experience, but they don't want to feel like over the top, like they're about to spend like their whole year's uh, check. Yeah, and, and I think too, some of it, people feel weird about like what will my family think if, and I'm this way too, like if I wanted to buy like a medium level BMW, like, it's just a nice car, right? You know, it might be 50K. Well, let's, let's say for the sake of argument, 50K, 60K, which is still a lot of money for a vehicle for a lot of people in America. Um, but it's not like a Rolls, you know? And yeah. I think people, there are couples that want to, not to pigeonhole myself, but they want a luxury experience, but without the like fear of them uh, feeling like they have to have Rolls, you know? Mm. And so I think... I've had a lot of couples who are weird and quirky and couples who I always say like usually one of them is like wants to save the world and the other one is like running a tech company. You know, it's like one of my couples, <laughs> she helped out women in East Africa and he worked for, uh, for Uber, you know, for a long time, for like 10 years since they've started. So like, it's just, that's my ideal couple is like people who are just like millennials and want to change the world. But like m most millennial couples don't want to have a wedding that celebrates them. They want to bring people together. They want a big party. Oh, and so, that's so terrific. So. I think it has been kind of a movement towards like, um, 
elope weddings. Yeah, elopements are super huge. Um, that's not my vibe yet. Um, I would love to do it, you know, at the right mm -hmm. place. Um, but yeah, that's like the next thing is in the evolution of weddings, I feel like is a lot of couples who weddings are stressful, you know, but the things that matter, and I know this too as a photographer is like, the people and the photos are the only thing that you have left after that day. And so it's a weird perspective, but some couples just want to keep it simple. And sure. uh, wedding photography is one of those things that's just so interesting because it's like, yeah, it's, it's one of those things which is a necessity amongst photography. Like a lot of photography isn't a necessity, but that mm -hmm. definitely is. And people are so prepared to like ball out and yeah. to just pay for this thing to remember. It's just such a, a different environment. And when I look at wedding photographers, it's like you guys put so much emphasis on how it looks and like mm. the presentation of yourself as a sure. brand and everything. Yeah, hundred percent. Like the websites are you got your guys' websites are amazing. Thank you. It's um, it's a weird thing. I think um, I heard this a few years ago from my wedding photographer, ironically, who said. Um, you know, wedding photography is different because the first photo of the day might matter a lot and the 3,000th photo of the day matters the same amount. Mm. Um, and a lot of shoots just don't go that way. I mean, when I've done commercial shoots, our goal is to come up with like one photo that is for this marketing agency or, you know, or a handful. Um, and we have full control of that environment where we've spec'd out lights, location, staff, catering, whatever. Um, and, you know, for weddings, it is such a, the one thing I do enjoy about it and I like, rub elbows with my press people is like Yo, hold up this this chick is wilding outside this this yeah. window dude. they're having a tough day out there that's for, for sure. guys listening we 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 uh we're in like the basement when it's like it's facing the street oh she's on the phone i see her and it is this lady who legit sounds like shaniqua just <laughs> popping off she don't live here no more <laughs> like, I, I don't even know how else to say that Oh my goodness! Yeah. But it's, oh, she Facetime. I think we're in there. We're in their shot. Oh, really? <laughs> she's literally outside the window. Yeah, she's right out there, dude. Wow, T. Welcome to DC, dude. Well, <laughs> exactly. Welcome to the quirkiest podcast you ever be on, right? Dude, no, hundred percent. I feel like now that I moved to the studio, all my podcasts will sound like this. So, that, like <laughs> helicopters and ambulances and people yelling. Dude, but, this street's crazy, man. There's like a homeless shelter down the block where they just they just give out free food or something. like yeah, that. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's it's a super good thing, but it. it uh, you know, the audience, the people that come there need a lot of extra love, you know, They've, everyone needs love, you know? Yeah. They've been in a tough spot. So it's, uh, Except this lady, you. this lady might not even be here. She's just, she's just chatting on her phone. So, you know, it Except is for you is. though. You show love to like people who can actually afford your services. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's true. If it's you uh, broke. Well, you ain't getting no love from Mason. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a, uh, it's one of those things where, yeah, luckily I feel like a few years ago, I'd be like, I'll take anything. And now it is a luxury where I can like say no, or, um, most of the time your pricing is like a filter, you know, to most couples or, or just your style, your website, like mm -hmm. our styles and our websites, like people go on it and hopefully some people will be like, Oh, I don't like this at all. You know? And then the people that do are like, no, nah, this is my ish. You know, like I, my wife, wife always makes fun of me. Like you ever hear that person you're like going to visit New York or going to visit Philly or something like that. Yeah. And they're like, bro, this is the cheese stick place. You know, if you like X, Y, Z, if, if you like mayo, fried onions. This is the spot. Like yeah. You got to eat exactly. know, five guys or Dixie Bones or some shit. 100%. And, if, and for people, that's how we buy now. That's how millennials buy. They're like, you know what? Like, I really love this brand. I've been following them or maybe I'm, I'm interested in them. They pick that brand rather than like, hey, I just need a car. Like, it gets me from A to B. Like, people, millennials don't want to choose 
in that kind of way when they're when they're shopping. And so you're saying they want to choose based on like a friend's recommendation or a recommendation or something that's been endorsed or something. Yeah, or or just brands that they going back to that that basic thing of like they know, like and trust. You know, so if they, maybe they know and they're like, oh, this looks kind of cool, and then hopefully through marketing or part of your brand experience, like they find out more about you and they're like, you know what, like I like this versus like we all follow somebody on Instagram and then like two days later, like, nah, that's not what I thought it was going to be Unfollow, you know, mm-hmm. which I think is totally fine. Like you want people that are like die hard for you, you know, or like Seth Godin talks about like having like brand ambassadors, not just customers. I love that concept. Yeah. People who are like, nah, like you have to book this guy. This guy's the best. Um, and that's super important for any brand, any business, really. Dude, that's such an amazing concept, I think, in life in general, is like yeah. how many people are actually rooting for you. Like if like, Ugh, if, like if, yeah. if someone was just mentioned like, oh, yeah, I'm looking for a wedding photographer, and someone just happened to know you, but oh, yeah, I know this guy named Mason, he's dope. Like, yeah. how many of these people do you really have in your life? And it's right. like, mm, I'd hope a lot more than my hands can count, you know? Yeah, no, totally. I, I think... Uh, you know, one, I would encourage you that there are, there are people who aren't actively rooting for you, who are rooting for you, which I would encourage you with. Uh, I've noticed that, yeah. I'm one of those guys that like, I, I don't think there's anybody in my corner and oftentimes my wife has to remind me, like one, her, and then two, like, no, look at all these logical things that I could show you. And I'm like, oh yeah, cool. So no, you, it's important. You do a great job at seeming like a good guy. Like I, I, I'm not like I know how to say that. Like I've never met you before. I, before I even like I met you when you walked around, I was like I was like I feel like this is gonna be a really nice guy. <laughs> like like you do a really good job. Like I, and I feel like it's like a wedding photographer mm. thing, or maybe it's just you as well. It's like yeah. it's like you you are always portraying like this nice. What's up? You, you are definitely not a nice dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We should have used that as like a curse cover up. And be like, what the? And then that. It sounds like the SpongeBob curses. Dude, 100%. But no, no, it definitely seems like, um, like, like you definitely came off of like, I had like a great impression of wh- what you were going to be mm. before I met you. Sure. No, I, it's one, thank you. And then two, it's, uh, for, yeah, I don't necessarily think I'm like trying to be a nice guy. Um, but I do, my highest goal in life, and this is really weird, and but like five or six years ago, I decided I wanted my highest goal in life to be consistent. And what I realized was that I never want to be something to Bruce or something to people online that I wasn't in real life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and obviously there are times, there are flavors, you know, people get sick or, you know, you're having a little bit more excitement or, you know, I know when, from when I podcast, if my guest is really exciting, I feed off of that. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to be consistent. I wanted to be, you know, reliable. I wanted to be a guy that, you know, would own up to what he said, have a lot of integrity. Um, and that means a lot to me. And I think, um, that's just kind of my vibe. And then I think in my business that comes out a lot and couples know that. And I think couples, uh, any clients or customers, they need to know that their, their vendors will go to bat for them if they need to. Um, as long as the vendor is also like a quality vendor, you know, or the couple is a quality Mm -hmm. person too. So, um, yeah, I don't know. That's something I've never thought about, but I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, dude, <laughs> it's our first date, you know. But, so, <laughs> yeah, hey, but but no, it's like that's just good life motto right there. Like, sure, just I want to be a consistent person. Like consistency, yeah. I think, is one of the most important things to like achieve anything. Whether yeah. it's friendships, relationships, yeah. uh, whatever it is, like consistency over time is, I think, like the recipe to success. Like when I when totally. I think about consistency, I mean, like how many photographers have you known that you just don't exist anymore that were around? You literally like a year a year ago, yeah. two years ago, three years ago, yeah, just gone. People people just roll out, and I mean, it's a uh, it's tough. I think in that consistency mindset for me, it even is like you know knowing what to expect, like, Hey, when can I get a hold of Adam or 
what is Adam's reaction going to be to this? And I think when I was a, a younger man, I just turned 30 in January. Um, when I was a younger man, my goal was to be unpredictable. You know, I was like, oh, I don't want anybody to feel like they know me. Um, and that was just dumb. It was, it was just, it was stupid. And it was like just prideful. And so recently, you know, the past few years, my goal has just been like, you know what? I can expect this from Adam. And even like we all have those friends who like don't text us back, but we're like, I know we're friends. I, one, I always text back. I like texting uh, in general. If anything, I will like turn my phone off, do not disturb during the day when I'm trying to get work done. But uh, I always text back. But they, and I always DM back. No, you and I are good at DMing. Um, and so we... I, I feel like to do what we do, you have to be very instantaneous with things. Yeah, and just, yeah, it's, every everybody converses differently. But, you know, for me, I, I have a lot of friends that like, maybe they won't text during the week when they're working, but they'll text you back on the, on the weekend and they'll like catch up. And I just like knowing what to expect. And I want people to, but that's weird. Feel people like who do that. Like if they, if you yeah. got a text on Tuesday and you're replying until Friday or Saturday, that's super weird. You got a problem, bro. Like yeah. I, I, that is super weird. Yeah. Especially if you're like actually friends, you know, it's, it's not like somebody's trying to book an appointment. It's just like, Hey, how's your week or what's going on? Yeah. So no, I get that. You know, yeah. 24 hours at least 48 hours, unless you're going through some shit, you know? Yeah. And, and even then it's like, you come back like, yeah, dude, sorry. I just couldn't freaking totally. Yeah, exactly. See, so, so when you got into, like, how many years have you been a wedding photographer? So, my first wedding was in 2011. So, Whoa. I mean, it depends. Like when you like, I've been full time. Uh, I've been a full time photographer for four years now. Um, but I mean, every year since I've been in DC, at least I do like 20 weddings a year, at least. Wow. You know, so it just depends. I made such an exclamation there because I. I meet very few uh, photographers in, in specific who have been doing it for that long. Yeah, no, totally. It's, yeah, I've been, I got my first camera in 2010. Um, and yeah, just kind of, it was one of those things for me where I was not expecting it to be my profession. It was just something I enjoyed doing. And I had had a really powerful experience from uh, basically living with another photographer in another country. And it was really cool for me. And so I was like, oh. What happened? Uh, so I basically, I got kicked out of college. Um, Whoa, how'd that happen? Yeah. I, I went to a very small conservative Christian college okay. and basically I wasn't even planning to go. I was like, I was just ready to be a mechanic in yeah. Southern Delaware and like fix cars. Damn. Yeah. I was like, not even bleak. Wasn't even on my radar. Um, a lot of people don't make it out. You know, I, I say make it out, but like from where I'm from and, um, I wasn't planning on it either. And you know, like I, I didn't even take the SATs. I did nothing. Wow. Um, but I had been playing guitar for over half my life at that point and classical guitar and got a scholarship to you're college. Playing, you're playing real guitar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, I was talking to my wife the other day. I was like, I also played in metal bands. That was like my passion was, was heavy metal. So, um, yeah. And so I went to college for two years, but again, it was a guy who like wasn't planning on going to school. My parents had never been to college. And so I was just a fish out of water and like how things worked. And I was at this conservative Christian college. And at the time, you know, my like faith definitely aligned with a lot of what they were talking mm -hmm. about. Um, but in how to like line up those things. It was very difficult. And I mean, your college, you're 18, you're not around your parents and stuff. So, uh, yeah, you got to figure out a bunch of weird legal things and papers and stuff like that yourself. Right. Exactly. And, and then those colleges, that college had like specific rules. So like you couldn't, uh, share a dorm, uh, it couldn't be in the same dorm with the opposite sex other than three hours every other Saturday with the door open. Um, Whoa. so just crazy stuff. We had a curfew had to be in by 1am. Are you sure it's Christian? It's not like Mormon. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was, it was evangelical. Yeah. I could go. That's a whole other podcast. Um, <laughs> so yeah. And so, you know, I basically just, 
disobeyed certain school rules and then again like but you didn't like I don't know, like punch your teacher in the face. It was something stupid, like you were in a room or hanging out with a friend too late. hundred percent, yeah. So it's stuff that like anybody, if they actually heard it, we'll talk about this privately off podcast. If anybody heard it, they would be like, are you for real? Um, But at the same time, you know, that's the school's rules and that's their thing. And, um, you know, I was kind of like the the person that was easy to punish, like it looked good. Um, You know, like, oh, we we brought this kid in on the scholarship, you know, and now he's Oh, they kind of made you like the poster child for what it was. So, um, yeah, I got kicked out and I was kind of kicked went back out, kicked out for a blowjob. No, I'm just yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> went back to Delaware and I was just like, what can I do? And I was kind of like, yeah, well, mm-hmm. I've, you know, I felt like I was being selfish. And so I was like, well, what can I do? And so uh, I got an internship with an organization uh, overseas that does like humanitarian compassion work. And uh, so I moved to Moldova in Eastern Europe and oh. lived there for two months. Uh, mostly like teaching in schools. Like we talked about like health and hygiene and uh, I always taught on like self-esteem, which is funny because uh, I'm pretty Debbie Downer. But, um, you know, and then we just did a lot of like food distribution to different villages and stuff. And so, uh, but we did all of that under the instruction of a missionary who was a photographer. Um, and oh. he just had his camera with him all the time. And in the this isn't new to anybody else, but for me, it was he was shooting photos of people who had never had their photo taken before, who didn't own a mirror, who Whoa. their visual identity, like you and I checked ourselves in the mirrors before we left, right? Like, uh, and some Americans we do it all the time, and it's not it's not weird. It's like a normal thing. Check yourself in a mirror probably uh, at least five times a day. Hundred percent. In our appearance, we're not even as strict with it as other you know Western cultures, different European cultures and stuff. But like, we want to make sure that we look okay. Yeah, make sure your hair's sitting right. At least sure. for me, make sure your beard's fluffed correctly. Exactly. Exactly. It's got to look fresh. So, um, so that was just crazy to me. And then the additional side of it was because they had never seen what they looked like, you know, maybe, maybe they passed a mirror maybe they, they had an opportunity, but it wasn't often, um, he would show them photos of themselves, you know, either print them for them or show them the back of his camera and mind blowing. Yeah. Just the interaction there was like, it was so cool. And for, for a lot of people that on that trip, it made them for lack of better words, feel better about life and about themselves and like, Oh, this is who I am. And, uh, and that was so cool. And so I was like, Whoa. And, uh, you gotta have those crazy experiences to meet people like that. To make you feel like my life's pretty goddamn good. Yeah. Perspective is everything. It's, it's just like every person and business is an iceberg. I always say this, it's like, you only see the top 10% and you don't know what's going on in the other 90, you know? So people might see you and I and be like, Oh, Bruce and Adam, they're, they're really successful. Um, but then at the same time, like, Hey, yeah, but you know, our families are going through some stuff. I've been calling you Mason this whole time. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So Mason photography is just my last name. That's just my company name, but yeah. Oh shit. (laughs) What's up guys? Welcome back to that single here with Adam (laughs) photography. (laughs) No, it's all good. I, I kind of just let it roll and I, People in college used to call me Mason all the time, and I was kind of like, ah, oh, whatever, and uh, I just got to let it roll. So, But I get the funniest uh, messages and DMs that are just like, what's up, Mason? And I'm always kind of like, what's going on? You know, but it's, Dude, Adam Mason, that's a good one. That's like, that, you're the first that. other photographer who has like a good two-name kind of brand. <laughs> Bruce I've, Allen, Adam Mason, like, ooh. Let's go, some, yeah. Some good rings. Dude. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if anyone wants to see two white guys with cool names doing anything. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but where were we in this, right? Uh, yeah. So I went overseas, saw this cool photographer and, um, yeah, I was impacted. And so I finished the internship, went back home, saved all my money, you know, doing odd jobs and bought a camera. And then, um, 
was doing landscaping later that summer and uh, got the call to, I remember I'd play guitar. This a buddy's band was going on tour and they needed a second guitarist. And they were like, hey, can you come fill in? Uh, and I was like, when do you need me? And they were like, we leave in 48 hours. Uh, can you learn 12 songs? And I was like, yeah, I got you. Um, so they like, FedEx shipped me, overnighted me a DVD of like how to play their songs. And, uh, and so I learned the songs. Drove up to Massachusetts to start the tour, practiced for a day, and then went on tour with them and brought my camera. And I was just, didn't even know how blessed I was to have the access I did. You know, when we were playing shows with other bands, and we weren't one of the headliners, but we get to be with pretty solid bands. And our end, our last show was this huge festival, which was like probably 40, 50,000 people. And I just had my camera with me, and it was so cool. And uh, it's still a hobby, but I got a lot of access up front, um, you know, just in the first <laughs> yeah, few. you got backstage and everything with uh, that. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Sweet shots. Um, so it was cool. And I mean, shooting concerts was like super challenging, you know, especially uh, being in a metal band. It's not bright. You know, I shot Rascal Flats once, and I was like, ISO 400, this is amazing. <laughs> Whereas like metal bands, it's like ISO 10,000, here we go. Yeah, um, 100%. Yeah, we're hoping for the best. And so, um, so it was really fun and I, you know, I both loved music and then loved being photography doing photography. And so kept doing that and long story short, ended up going back to school just to get that degree, try and get that piece of paper. Um, to, for, for photography or for something else? Yeah. I ended up going back for, uh, like digital media and communications. Yeah. Okay. There was like two photography classes in it, but it was really good because I got a lot of like PR classes and writing mm -hmm. classes. I would never normally pursue that information by yeah, myself. There's a lot more copywriting in digital media than you think there would be. Dude, everybody hates writing about themselves on their about section of their site. Like that's why, you know, it's just like, Oh, what do I write here? And you know, all kinds of stuff. And even now, like I'm diving into like ads for fun. Um, and I'm like, what do I write here? That doesn't sound cheesy, you know, but will also get my client, you know? So mm. it, it's definitely a skill, you know, and it's a, as an entrepreneur, you always find out like what your good skills are and what your bad skills are. And so maybe it's good time management, good at shooting, good at making money, but you're like, Oh, I'm bad at client follow-up. I'm bad at this thing. And so it's honest questions you gotta ask yourself. Yeah. So long story short. Yeah. I went back to school and got my degree. I was shooting pretty much like on the side all the time for random jobs and trying to make money and trying not to have a real job, quote unquote, you know, I was just like, all right, I just need money to pay for my cell phone bill and whatever. And, um, yeah. And then that call came from a friend that was like, Hey, can you shoot our wedding? And I was like, I've never shot a wedding before. I've shot one time of portraits of my best friend, you know, and their dog, <laughs> but and some I, events. <laughs> yeah. But until then I'd never shot any people. Um, my favorite thing to shoot at the time, uh, other than music was like, uh, like time-lapse stuff. I was like oh, really into it. So, uh, I used to like make a bunch of time-lapse stuff and I put it online and then, uh, Comcast actually reached out. I was in Philly. I went to school near Philly. And so they bought the rights to all my time-lapse stuff. Um, I was like 20 years old. Um, and I had no idea what I was doing. So it was, really helpful time lapse that essentially where you leave it on and you just fast forward it essentially yeah so nowadays a lot of people will do pretty close to the technique like you see a lot in vlogs will they're like just hit record and just do sped up video but yeah. time lapse um specifically is usually taking single raw photos right or jpegs and we're trying to show a lot of time so not just like hey 30 minutes sped up we're trying to show like a whole day you know oh, so you take photos at different intervals yeah 100 percent. yes you usually have like if, it, if the film, if the end goal of the film is going to be played at 24 frames per second, you would shoot, you know, a thousand frames would be like, I forget the math. I want to say it's like a minute of footage essentially. <sighs> so it's, it's very labor inducive, but at the same time it was so 
so educational for me. And I, I like doing it because like I got to once Comcast licensed the footage and they were like, Hey, we need you to shoot 75 more clips of the of city of Philadelphia. You can shoot anywhere you want. Um, and we can, uh, we can help you get into like on rooftops of cool buildings. That's and I was like, dope. let's go. And so I was able to shoot from the roof of the Comcast building, which at the time was the oh. highest building, 55 oh. floors or whatever. That's a view. Yeah. It was a, it was the first time too. We're like, as a photographer, you think like, oh yeah, we're just going to shoot. And like you were talking about, you had to wear a hard hat and a mask. Like I had to wear a belt and I had to be strapped to the building because the wind was so nuts, you know? And like, oh, I never wanted to buy sandbags for my tripod, but you have to, you know? Um, That's funny because the hook on the bottom of my tripod fell off and I was like, what the fuck is this used for? <laughs> literally for shooting on top of buildings. Literally, yeah. So when you're sitting on top of that building, like doing a time lapse on the Comcast building, are you, you are manually there hitting it every certain intervals? No, luckily, um, say, that sounds like most of these are built in the cameras nowadays, but they, uh, I had an extra piece of hardware called intervalometer. And so it just plugs into like on the old, I used to shoot Canon back then. So on the old Canons, it'd be like this weird slot that you'd never use for anything else. And mm -hmm. that's where it goes. And again, it was all like analog. So it looks like a calculator screen. So you're like, how many photos do you want it to take? And you would say either like, the max you could take is a thousand or you could let it go like unlimited. Uh, and then like, what do you want your bulb speed to be and all this stuff. And a lot of times with time-lapse too, you're shooting like not just like a normal shutter speed, like one 250th of a second, you're shooting like a second. So you could get this like blurry cars going by and stuff. And it's, um. it's like the, the juxtaposition of different things in motion going. So you see a long exposure image and you're like, oh, that's cool. That's long exposure. That looks great. You know, like star trails or something. But time lapse is how you get star trails like moving in film, you know, whereas like video cameras still can't do that. That's um, very true. So it's kind of cool, you know, and, and you, you know, if you ever like point your, your camera up at the North star and then they have a long exposure, you'll see all the rings of star trails around it because the earth is orbiting and stuff. So anyway, we're getting really nerdy. This podcast no, is I, crappy. No, no, no. Because of me. No, this is 100% interesting. Yeah, <laughs> I had no idea what an intervalometer was. That is, that's, that's hella cool, dude. Yeah, it was fun. I mean, it's a, it's just stuff that like teaches you uh, kind of how your camera works and process. And then, you know, you got to have your workflow down because I was shooting like 10,000 images a day. Um, so you'd have like three cameras, you set up different angles. You'd have like three different lenses, right? You have a wide, medium, tele, whatever you want to do. Um, and so you'd have like three cameras kind of wherever the sun horizon is kind of thing? It would like. just depend, you know? So luckily for this gig, they were super laid back. They they were just commissioning Philadelphia artists. Um, and I didn't even consider myself that. I was 20 years old, right? I was like, no, oh, I don't know. Um, to shoot, to make content, to put in this, uh, this Xfinity Live Center, which was like the sports complex in Philly. Um, and so they were like, yeah, you can shoot whatever you want as long as it looks like Philly and kind of life. And I was like, okay, cool. So, you know, a lot of timeline stuff is just people, things moving. So you'd have like one shot on traffic, one shot on the timeline, and then one on like the sky. Or if you saw something interesting, like um, if there's like in DC, it would be like, oh, here's the Capitol, but here's like what's else is, what else is happening around the Capitol, you know? So it's super like, interesting that this was all happening when we were 20 because when, when I mean, imagine <laughs> when it's almost like you, you're like, wow, I'm kind of being pulled in this direction. Oh, like, yeah. Like when you're 20, you're getting, you just got a, a commercial corporate huge. gig. Like, it was the biggest gig I'd ever done. Like, yeah, that's huge. Like for a 20 year old who just trying to figure their shit out, you're like, yeah, maybe this was it. Like, uh, yeah, no, exactly. I mean, my personality, especially not planning on going to school, even today, you know, we shot 200 weddings now. We've shot in 20 different countries. I feel so blessed and so lucky. Like, I, I'm ready for the shoe to drop at any time. Like, it could dry up and be like, Adam's not a photographer anymore. Like we talked about, right? right? I'd be like, all right, that was a fun ride. Like I, I literally feel like that, like 
a non-talented like lucky rock star that like somehow I don't even like using the term rock star but I feel like I get to live my dream man like I I don't even care like when you get that email and you're like oh I gotta need, I gotta manage my email or oh, I gotta do this stuff I'm just like I get to do this like I'm so happy that I get to like manage my schedule and just have freedom and it sounds so stupid other people have bigger goals but for me I'm like I just want to run my own ish and pay my mortgage and you know like Hopefully, my wife doesn't think we're poor. That's all I want. <laughs> yeah. what, 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 what do you mean? What do you mean for the, the hat drop? Like, you think like one day like photography the gigs are going to stop coming or something? Like, what do you mean? Uh, just mine. I I've always kind of wanted that pessimistic, like mm. you know, making sure my eyes always on the lifeboat uh, kind of thing, and which is silly because we've been four years doing this. But when I first went full time, uh, I had a good job. I was doing nonprofit uh, media work for a huge church here in DC. Um, and it was awesome. I was paid pretty well for my skill set, and um, I worked for like a very famous, like New York Best Times, New York Times bestselling author. Mm. Like, I had I had the job that everybody at my school wanted, like this very Christian media oh, kind of nice. thing. Uh, and I was super grateful for it. Super but niche, yeah, that's like yes. a rare thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and so I wanted though to like I wanted to take the chance and see if I could do it right. Yeah. And I was single at the time. We just started dating my by who would be my wife, and I was like, all right, like. My rent will probably never be lower. My, you know, it's the time. And, you know, I looked, luckily I kept track of all my finances and my quote unquote accounts payable. Like what money was planning to come in was more than my salary at the time. And so I was like, and that was only from nine gigs, right? So I was like, hey, Whoa. if I can, you know, hustle more than these and, nine. And those are all wedding gigs or just random gigs? Half for weddings and a half for like corporate gigs. Okay. Um, and so this was in like February or March. I was like, all right, I can get more than nine days worth of work or nine gigs worth of work for the rest of the year. So if I just hustle cold call, like I was willing to do whatever. Um, and so I was like, we'll just try it and we'll go to December. We'll go to the end of the year. And uh, if it sucks, I'll get a real job. You know, I was, I was ready to give it up. And every year I kind of was always like, all right, well, we'll, we'll see how long it goes, see how long it lasts. Yeah. And it's still going, but uh, I'm, it's like a skipping rock. I'm kind of just like, all right, when's going to be the last skip, you know? Uh, uh, which I know sounds really morbid. Know, you're, you're probably too deep, man. Like, I, yeah. I feel like... I, yeah. I, I the feel cruise ship like, is going, yeah. I feel like th having that mindset, like, I could always get a job is both a good and a hurtful thing. Totally, 100%. It might be restrictive in some ways. And, and I think, too, like... There are times where I'm like, could I get a real job? I've had no boss for four years. Like, who's going to be my reference? You know, like, what's, yeah. like, what are they, and what kind of job lets yeah, us like, do what we do now? Like, four years ago when I was uh, yeah. working at digital media. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah, you need videos created? So, yeah, man, life's weird, but I'm, I'm kind of like just along for the ride. And I think for me, it's, uh, I, for me, humility is not something that I have to like, that it just comes naturally to me. I have to like mm. actively be like, no, Adam, like this might dry up, you know, or if we have another recession, which people are saying, like, how is that going to hurt the services industry? Yeah, that is interesting. Like, you know, a photography services with a recession. A lot of people always yeah. talk about that looming on the horizon. Yeah, I mean, it's people like this is weird and it's, you know, being a grown up now, I pay attention to these things, but it's like the fed just lowered interest rates again, which normally would sound good, but it's actually bad. Um, and that's the first sign that people say normally 
projects a recession coming. And for the wedding industry and events industry, that's when people spend less on, on stuff. So it's like, oh, how are we preparing for this? Ooh. And luckily, we talked about this. Like I've been preparing for a few years just in general to try and have be better with my money because entrepreneurs suck at how we spend and how we save. And so like I've just been working on that, trying to have like, I call it my war chest mm. and I'm trying to have like a year's worth of income saved up. And so that's something like my, my mini goal this year. <laughs> God damn, dude, you're fucking crushing it. I'm dude. trying. I, I don't know if we'll get there by the end of this year. We have like five months right now. So we're trying to get there. God dang. So, so you went into what you were doing thinking that weddings is what you always wanted to do or is it because like you shot your buddy's wedding and you were like oh you know that was tight I connect with it or is it just like weddings pay really well yeah for me it was honestly I'm an extrovert and weddings are where like usually there's a lot of people that's why I don't shoot elopements right there's just two people uh, and so I I really enjoyed the environment and then I actually it took me a while to fall in love with uh what I was actually doing, you know, and, and, and now that I have clients to connect with what I feel like I'm doing is like, it's now I do love it. You know, mm. I think, um, I was never into it. I didn't know a lot of people look at weddings as like a cash cow or like an easy, a quick way to make money. I didn't know that, you know, I'd meet all these photographers that were like, Oh, I can never shoot weddings. And I was like, they seem so fun to me, you know? And, um, you know, I'd never had a, a sad client yet. And then you get that client that's like, man, we're not actually really happy with your work. And you're like, Oh God, um, uh, I want to quit. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I, I kind of fell in love with it. And uh, that's good though. You're in it for the right reasons. You know, like, yeah, you actually enjoy the social dynamic of weddings. I think, 100%, I, I, I think yeah. like that goes really overlooked when it comes to photography. It's the fact that yeah. you're kind of a, a center of attention too. Like you're that guy in front of everyone. Everybody is snagging photos. Looking at you. Everyone's tapping on you. Yeah. Like you got to yeah. set up certain shots and stuff like that. Yeah. And how you manage just stupid stuff. Like it, it's a lot of good people skills that I think any photographer could learn from is like, you know, managing two different families, like for family portraits, you're not just telling people where to stand. And one, you also think too, like whenever I shoot very seldom, but whenever I shoot models or if I shoot like corporate headshots, mm -hmm. most of the time it's like a one-on-one -on -one connection and people listen to you, right? Even 20 adults, they don't listen to you, you know? And you're just like, what, what is happening here? Um, but just learning the, the, the mindset behind helping people in that scenario. And then two, I didn't know this until my wife and I got married was like the wedding planning was stressful and not just actual planning, but just that season of life of like this big thing is happening. Everybody's all our friends. It feels like all our friends are looking at us, but not helping us. Um, and a lot of couples go through that. So if you know any engaged people right now, just text them and tell them you love them right now, <laughs> you know, cause they need your love. They, it might seem like, Oh, everything's so happy and we just bought flowers, but, um, they need people in their corner. And once that happened for me too, I love to be an advocate and I love to like, just again, like help out my homies and my couples became my homies. And I was like, Hey, I can step in the gap for you and be kind of a, uh, a neutral friend on wedding day. Yeah. And that changed the game, you know, like, the photos were so much better. They're, people are so much more natural in front of me because of my personality and because of like... The idea of neutral friends, interesting. Yeah, and just that they can have somebody who's in their corner, you know? Um, like you're there to not just be the guy that's, that they paid to be there, but you're also right. like like a homie. Like, like, yeah. like, oh, what's up, Sue and Phil? It's like, yeah, yeah let's just go ahead. And like everyone's very comfortable or something. 100%. And I'm on their team, you know, where when you get engaged or, you know, especially in America, it's kind of like all these traditions and a lot of my couples have gone away with a lot of them, which is awesome. But, um, it feels like it should just be you two like planning stuff and like, Hey, this is kind of fun. Like, Oh, you know, been to a wedding where you have like 
a milkshake bar or you have a hot potato bar, you know, whatever. Uh, and you're like, that's your little facet of your personality or maybe you like food. But there are so many people that are like, hey, so especially parents, they're just like, hey, are yeah. you going to do this? Hey, are you planning on this? Or hey, are you planning on inviting this person? And for a lot of couples, that stuff is just stressful because God, like, it seems so stressful. They think it's they want it to be about them. Mm. And uh, I think if you have vendors that align with that, then that's really important. So it sounds dumb. But for me, I am spending 10 hours with my clients on wedding day, right? Like uh, the florist isn't with them, right? The caterer, all those people I'm with them the entire day. And so we need to mesh, you know, in a pretty solid way. And, um, and then the other thing too, from the photo perspective, if people feel good, they look good. If they're more True. comfortable around me and you, you've shot plenty of people where you have to warm them up a little bit. Yeah. Um, unless you want like the cold look, you know? And so no, those are difficult sheets. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, that's what I try and do is just make people feel comfortable around me. And yeah, you could just spending very intimate moments with people. Like 100%. You're literally there. Cause I was looking at some of your work. You're literally there in the room while she's getting dressed. Like uh, I, I know that's yeah. a whole moment. Like totally. Like, yeah. For a lot of people that's super important or they used to wear a lot of hand me down dresses that were like in their family and stuff like that. Yeah. And, nice dresses that were passed down from their grandmother and it's like right. in the corner we got this we got this large guy, guy with, yeah. a, with, a, with a beard and a hat yeah, just yeah. looking at me with a camera yeah <laughs> like, that's like, what I always say when people are like hey like a planner will come up to me and be like hey I was looking for you and I'm like you couldn't spot the 300 pound bearded man like what are you doing wrong like I'm very obviously fat like if a yeah, bear yeah. came to a wedding they'd be like there's a bear right there like it's me like the if something is wrong if you can't notice this like fat bearded dude coming around so <laughs> No, but that that that's a great strategy to weddings. I've never thought about weddings on that level where it's like you have to be in their corner. Like it has to be these things. Yeah. It's not just a detached photographer sitting on the side. Like it has to the way you treat it is more intimate of an experience because it means so much to people. It makes the wedding experience as a photographer so much more fun. Like I think that's why a lot of people like dip their toe in. A lot of photographers dip their toe in and they're like, this isn't for me. I don't like this. Dip in the wedding sphere. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, I, I had a bridezilla or whatever. And I've shot 200 weddings. I've never had a bridezilla. Really? And, yeah. And I'm, I feel so fortunate. Like I've, I've had some clients that, you know, were a little bit more higher maintenance, but you know, I think you just have to understand people and you just have to align with people's pain points. And mm. that's a business thing. You know, that's not something we're going to learn in a camera workshop and it's hard, but that's for me. Both my parents were entrepreneurs own their own business. My mom was a hairdresser and my stepdad's a master carpenter. And I learned that where like they, even if they had a client that was like kind of annoying them, they still served them and they still went after them. And, and luckily for me, those clients that have a pain point when they see that I'm eliminating that they become a friend and not just a client. And so, um, it makes weddings so much more fun when it's you interesting that both your parents had a customer service sort of yeah, like job. It's I, crazy. It definitely would teach you a lot. Like, yeah, so just to deal with people. Totally. Being in the hair salon with my mom, like when I was raised mostly by her until I was like 12 or 13, I was just being in a hair salon with her and like a bunch of other stylists, like just chilling. And it's one, just how to talk to people, converse with people, different colors, shapes, skins, hair textures, everything. It was so, that was like, that was my little slice of culture for a long time, uh, which is a very small slice, right? Uh, but like, we had that. And then also people like, especially if you like old school and I feel like mostly for ladies, you find your hairdresser, that's your person. You yeah. know, like you stick with them forever and you tell them. They're like your psychiatrist at the same time. They're, 100%. They're your hair advisor, everything. It's, right, it's, exactly. it's, it's more than just like getting your hair cut. Yeah, so it helped me a lot just um, in the wedding industry and you know, even, 
all my brides, I feel like most of them feel really comfortable with me. I never try to push any boundaries or anything like that. Or, or if it is time to get dressed, like I always say like, Hey, I can step out. And then whenever you want me to come back in, I can come back in. So yeah. some brides are like, Hey, I'm fully zipped. Come back in. Some brides are like, Hey, you can just stay. Like they played D one soccer and they're used to like locker room <laughs> vibe. And I think there's trust that I'm not going to shoot something that they don't necessarily want to come away with either. Yeah. It's not that time. It's not, it's no not going to frame a photo of them like half naked getting in their way. Yeah. 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 Like, That's the other thing too, is like you growing up, you always think like, Oh, people had really cool underwear on under dresses. No, there's a lot of different like corsets <laughs> and all kinds of weird stuff. And, uh, they are squeezing into those dresses. A hundred percent. Yeah. It's they do not seem comfortable and we, we don't, you know, we're, we're trying to make them look good and feel good. So, um, but yeah, so it helps out a lot in just being around mostly women in the job. Uh, and then growing up in a hair salon, it's, it's been really helpful. It's really cool. Dude, that's probably why you're extroverted, which I think is probably yeah. why what you do is so aligned with what you do. Mm, maybe. It could be. Because there are a good amount of photographers who aren't extroverted. Totally. I, I would say three-fourths of them aren't, aren't, aren't extroverted. Most artists, I feel like. you know. Yeah, most artists like yeah. are just very bad at communicating and just... just yeah relating with people sure. like about their pain points like how many art the story of an artist is like oh like he's, he was late he doesn't care blah 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 yeah, it's yeah. like but now it's like it, kind of, it, it fits you dude it makes sense <laughs> I appreciate that yeah. it, it, it should be good that's hella tight yeah it's a uh, it's fun I like doing it and I mean it's um again it's just an opportunity for a kid raised in a small town to like meet so many different people mm. and other photographers and like I shot for Obama staffers I've shot for Trump staffers I've shot for people who work for Uber I've shot for just you know your normal run of the mill DC Hill couple you know and um it's just gotten it's given me such a good opportunity and then you know I shoot it for a lot of nonprofits you know because of how I got into photography and like been to Ethiopia South Africa Bolivia Guatemala El Salvador you know like get to travel a decent amount and just meet people I never normally meet and it's mm. it's opened my eyes now that sounds fun traveling it's, dude it's so good well it's funny people uh, I was talking to the Nat Geo photographer about this and how she's usually covering like foreign conflicts and then I'm like usually working for a nonprofit who's like in a rough community trying to do something better for the world. So people are like, oh yeah, traveling. And I'm like, not that kind of traveling. Yeah. Traveling to impoverished places. Yeah, like we had to rent, you know, when I was in Ethiopia last time, uh, we had to hire like armed guards to of walk course, around dude. with me. You know, it's so funny. And, and not for all of Ethiopia by any means, but it was one of those things. We knew we were going into a certain situation where uh, there was like a pagan community that would not be down with us being there. And so it was uh, it was funny. Like people are like, yeah, traveling. And I'm like, oh, I'm usually going to the roughest parts on purpose you know, to help this organization or whatever, which for me is what I want to do. You know, like I don't want to, there's time to travel, you know, that's usually with my wife or by myself and like, Hey, let's go shoot cool stuff and like eat fancy meals or, you know, whatever, which for me is usually just as much Taco Bell as possible. Hey, um, what do you get Taco Bell? I'm a, so I don't get any of the main stuff. Cheesy potato griller or cheesy potato burritos, what they used to call it. Now it's a griller. Oh. I get three of those. <laughs> I never had one of those. I'm a Mexican pizza guy. Oh, my wife got a Mexican pizza the other night. And yeah, we were at Taco Bell recently. Um, had a Mexican pizza the other night and I was like, I'd never had it before. And I was like, oh, let me try it. And she she knew though. She was like, don't tell me if you don't like it, which I'm as an extrovert and somebody who I say everything that is on my mind. You'll never know, not know what I'm feeling. And uh, I had it and I was like, this is not good. You didn't like it? I didn't like it, oh which is so funny. Which I, you can't be fat not liking food. I feel like I like every, <laughs> all kinds of food and I tried it and I was like, Mexican, love Mexican food, love pizza. Okay. Marriage. And it's like a, that Jim Gaffigan joke where he's like fruit, pretty cool. Cake. Also pretty cool. Fruit cake. 
nasty crap. (laughs) (laughs) And so, yeah, for me, that was just not my thing. But also Baja Blast, you know. Yo, I was just thinking Baja Blast (laughs) is like half the reason I would even go to Taco Bell. 100%. Yeah. That shit is so good. Like, that's that's the time when I actually will have soda, and it's at Taco Bell. Yeah. 100%. (laughs) Yep. God, that shit's delicious. I love it. I love it. Skip the water, skip the diet soda, and you're hitting the Baja Blast. No, you just got to go 100%. How does not... How does Baja Blast only be served at Taco Bell? Like that's going to be the number one. Like they lobbied Pepsi, Pepsi somehow, or like that's their thing. Right. Nobody else. Even other like Taco Bell is owned by Yum Brands. Other Yum Brand like Pizza Hut, Long John Silver. They ain't got that Baja Blast. Dang. So. I don't think I've ever eaten at Long John Silver. <laughs> I did once. It's not yeah, awesome. Yeah, uh, but like yeah, it was short. John Silver. But if they so had Baja good. Blast, I'd probably think twice about it. Like. Mm. <laughs> You just go in there, get that drink. You're like, what's up, guys? Yeah, let me get that drink and some of those shrimps or whatever the fuck. That's right, about. exactly. Yeah. Oh, man. Dude. <laughs> what else you want to talk about? <laughs> I feel, obviously, I'm on this podcast, but I'm like, man, I'm talking a lot. Yeah, which is No, this is abnormal. great. I'm listening. I mean, that's, that's the point is that, like, I, I, I love letting my guests talk. That's how I know sure, approach yeah. it. I, I say, you're not listening and ask a few questions. Wait, I want to ask you, what is your favorite part about weddings? Like what, what do you mm. enjoy most about it? Is it the actual being there at the wedding and shooting and interacting with people? I think my, my favorite thing, and it's taken a long time because it used to be certain photos, right? Or it'd be like a lot of photographers, wedding photographers would be like, I only care about the portrait time with the couple, you know? Um, and for me, I like that. That's when you have full creative control, right? Like, hey, and that's the cool thing about weddings. It's like, let me try and make something cool out of a normal space or whatever. Um, but the reality is for me, my favorite part of wedding day is even non-religious weddings, like even just couples who just want to get married and have fun. There's something about watching people and taking photos of them, like documenting these moments that they, I hope, are getting to be as close to 100% themselves mm-hmm. as possible. And that for me, like my like our company mission statement is has nothing to do with photography it's like i exist to eliminate fear create connection and help people become fulfilled and i want like imagine what people would live life like if they had no fear and just being who they are like on a first date or whatever or meeting new people or at a wedding where like I never want a couple to feel like they have to be somebody else. Mm. And oftentimes in weddings, that's what happens is like weddings for millennials is an opportunity for our parents to show other people their age, how awesome their kids are. And people our age though, we don't want that. Like millennials, like we want to be bragged about, but not, we don't want to do it ourselves. We don't want to be like, Hey, look at my Lambo. We want to like, just take our friends for a ride in the Lambo. And, uh, and I think at a wedding I want, when couples and people, even guests, you know, like when people are getting crazy and they're feeling wild and they're having fun and they're singing out of tune to the killers or Jay-Z or whatever. Um, Same five songs. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, anytime I hear a new song, I'm like, yes. Like, how was Old Old Town Road? Like, it's a decent song. It should be played at weddings right now. Like it's not a wedding banger already. No, people. I feel like oh. DJs are slacking. It's a lot of that's a whole other rant. A lot of wedding DJs. There's a few good ones. They're on my list, but there's a lot that like, they don't even provide that. They don't listen to music. Yeah. I know a dope DJ too. But, yeah. But. Two, two wedding DJs, Craig Dub and Dan Goldman. Those are my guys. Uh, Cause they're actually musicians and they're like into it. Whereas a lot of DJs are like, Hey, I run the tech stuff and I make the people happy. <laughs> um, and they're playing like, Macarena still. I'm like, oh, bro, how shit. Cha cha slide. I mean, probably, you probably got to play. Dude, that yeah. Anyways, but. Dude, uh, dude, I'm not, I'm not into it. So lo- that was a super long answer, but I love when people can just be themselves, man. And I just like, 
even at hanging out or at our house, like I would never want somebody to feel like they have to impress me. And I don't want the same for them. Like I used to feel really self-conscious about like wearing jeans and a t-shirt as a business owner. Mm. And then people were like, Adam, that's you. Like that's you. And that's, that's I want to like, that's also like the luxury of it is the fact that yeah. I can wear jeans and a t-shirt and, and like grow my goddamn beard out and just be yeah. a fucking man. Like I don't got to shave to go to work. I don't got to right. live to someone else's dress code or whatever it is. hundred percent. And so it's, um, I think that is like my number one goal if for wedding people or anybody I shoot, anybody I interact with is like, I want Bruce Allen to be hundred percent Bruce Allen. And then and you can always change. You can always evolve. You can always be, you know, you're working out or you're doing something. I'll be like, hell yeah, Bruce, like be who you want to be. Cause I think like there, this is kind of cheesy, but like there's, you can Google this. There's a one in 400 trillion chance that we were human. Like I've heard that before. Gary Vaynerchuk. Always talks, yeah. That's yeah. very Gary V quote. Like you could be a tree. You could be a, that woman that was talking on the phone, which is still cool, you know, but it's like, I, I feel so lucky one to be here. And then it's just, everything else is like, there's levels to this, but it's like extra levels of happiness and awesomeness. So yeah, like gratitude's epic, man. Shit. Even, even yeah. if you want to be more grateful. God dang. Yeah. <laughs> even though I was limping through a construction site with a goddamn uh, brace on my leg, I mean, yeah. I'm not gonna lie, that was way more fun than the going to surfing tables. Like, dude, yeah, absolutely. And it's it's like, you know, there's always there's just, always sound effects, <laughs> always sound effects. Like a clown is behind me right now. But yeah, it's just life. And obviously, mm-hmm. as two white guys experiencing white privilege in a in a systemically racial injustice uh, country built on the backs of people who don't look like, like us, we it's hard for us to share how grateful we can be when you know we're born on second base or third base or whatever. But like that's important, you know. And and we're I am super grateful, you know. And, mm-hmm. and everybody's story is different, you know. For me, like. The, the privileges I had definitely will never be a reason that I didn't make something. But, you know, if you raised by a single mom in a small town, kicked out of college, all that stuff, you know, it's like, um, you know, it's, I'm super grateful, you know. But at the same time, like, that eliminating fear as, like, my personal mission statement, like, we have a lot of work to do, you know, mm-hmm. for, again, for different races, different people, whatever. Like if we all walked on the streets of DC as if we weren't afraid of everybody else and could just be friends and say what's up. And especially on on this street, you know, with our our homeless friends is like, I just, you know, say what's up, you know, whatever. And I'm not trying to form a long distance relationship, but I can say, hey, you know, that, that could be my currency. That's not what I'm saying, hey, that's so, the nice thing to do. Yeah, 100%. So. So, so that was what, a little bit of a rant, sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's all good. So, so what, do you, what do you least like about weddings, Ooh. about doing that? Um, the least thing I like least about weddings would probably be the opposite of what I like is, is if people do stuff cause they feel like they have to, mm-hmm. or if they feel like their friend told them they had to do it. Or I always use this example of like parents asking you, Hey Bruce, what color napkins are you guys going to have? And you're like, I don't know. I think the venue will provide them probably white linens, right? You know, whatever. And a parent being like, Bruce, but blue is your birth color. You have to have blue <laughs> napkins. Um, and I just never want you to feel like you have to do something because somebody else wants you to have to do it, you know? Damn, tr- I was totally expecting you to be like, yeah, I hate calling thousands of photographs <laughs> and having to edit them all. Uh, yeah, no, oh. one, hire an editor, uh, outsource. Um, oh, is that, is that what you do? Yeah, it, I was. I feel like I was late to the game. Uh, a lot of people who- That's the move right there. They get to my level or my experience level, whatever that is, and um, most people outsource for me, 
that was one of my skill sets. Like I could edit a wedding, you know, even a big one between like four to six hours. So it wasn't a crazy task for me to be like, uh, you know, like there are people that take 20 hours to edit weddings. And I'm like, Jeez. you're losing money. Um, and so, but it got to that point where if, if I want to shoot 30 to 40 weddings a year, I can gain a lot of time back by handing it off. So, uh, it took a little while, but we got it to work and we've, it's been almost a year that I've been with my editor. Where'd you find an editor? This was a buddy of mine who just had a kid and I was like, bro, you want to spend some time at home with your kid and work whenever you want? Uh, <laughs> and he was like, yes. And I was like, he was already into photography. He has a super good work ethic. You know, he's a good buddy. And I told him, I was like, hey, like I know we're friends and mixing business with friends can sometimes be kind of sketchy. So I said, hey, like we'll, we'll use a whole separate app just to communicate business stuff. So we use Slack only for business, but you want to text me about life? Let's just text, you know, because mm. I, I never, I didn't want to mess up the friendship. That's smart. I like that. Yeah. And so, but it was like a cool opportunity and you want, like, I always, I bust my wife about this, but I'm always like, Hey, if you ever want to work for Mesa photography, you know, just <laughs> let me know. Like, you know, you want to run the photo booth or yeah, you want to like be an assistant. We could use some editors, you know? Yeah. Well, I'm just like, babe, I would rather pay you than somebody I don't know, you know, or like, uh, if anybody wants a fun Saturday project, look up the tax advantages of working with your family. Like it's, that's why people have family owned businesses. Oh really? Dude, it's insane. Certain no state laws. Yeah. Um, it makes so much percent. Like the tax oh, bracket that you shit. get is totally different. And so there are benefits, right? Cause like America cares about the family, right? And so, uh, the government in theory reflects that, but long story short, uh, hired my buddy and it took about 10 weddings to get it trained on. But luckily he knew my work cause he, we were friends and he'd been following my work for a long time. And, um, it's been a good learning, learning experience for both of us. And to have like a long term, it's been a year, you know, employee quote unquote contractor. I've just never understood people that actually want to edit photos. That just seems like something I would I just, that is not the part I enjoy about photography. I think for a lot of people, I don't know if that's for him, for him, it's been a good learning experience mm -hmm. cause he's new to the photography world too. Uh, and then there are other, I think there are over time as you get older, there are other benefits of different things that start to outweigh different things. Right. So it's like, it's like why people that have a kid buy a minivan, like, Hey, it doesn't look cool. Oh yeah. But, but it's practical. Yeah. Or, you know, or I can stay home with my kid if I just edit photos for four or five hours a day. Exactly. Right. So it's just a different benefit. Right. So, um, I think a lot of people are, are like underutilizing those, those benefits, you know? So it's like, um, people want to, we're getting off topic here, people want to like assist on shoots and stuff like that. And I'm always like, Hey, like I'll pay you a little bit, but I, I don't know if, I don't think I can pay you a ton. Just say it's like an engagement session or a portrait session yeah. or whatever. Um, but like I'm an open book, like when we're together, you know, you don't have to pay, like I do mentorship. And so people pay for that or whatever. And that's cause they're getting focused time. But if they're with me at a shoot, like I'll say anything, like I'll, they can have the keys to the kingdom essentially. Um, that's the hack right there. That's yeah. Why, that's why you assist and work with other photographers. So you can get right. the game. Dude, people, people, I, I just talked to somebody about this. Like people have no idea. Like people are not grinders, you know? And I think people who are ready to grind and like learn and figure stuff out, it's, it's underrated. So, uh, I have no idea what we're talking about. Editors, getting an editor is awesome. Uh, yeah. And it's just gotten so much time back. So I forget what we were talking about before then. Dude, we're just going down the path of a conversation. Dude, there's man. so like, much. Like, yeah. I do not have like a script over here. My phone's like over there and I had some ideas of like what I was asking, but I feel like I've covered yeah. a good amount. Like, 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 why are you so hairy? And we're like, well, bro, I don't know. I've had a beard since I was 15. Yeah. <laughs> here, here's one. Um, how do I save as a freelancer? You remember? You've oh yeah. Yeah. We got to talk about the real ish. Yeah. So I think for a long time when I first started, just like anybody else, right? Like you get that first like $500 gig or that thousand dollar gig and everybody gets those. Like, I don't, 
I, I don't have any problem with it. You gotta get, gotta get paid. Mm-hmm. Um, and oftentimes you think like, oh, even on the good side, like say you didn't have to rent any gear, say it's like low key, like you just want to do some portraits out in the alley in the back, you know, for like a influence or something. Um, and you, you get a thousand bucks, right? And you're like, oh, I have a thousand dollars, like cash in my hand, you know? Um, there's some side of things where people think like, oh, well now I have a thousand dollars. And I think the reality is, is like your cost of doing business and those kinds of things are important. Like, hey, you gotta pay your bills. Like, hey, how much does your mortgage cost? And like for wedding photographers, most of them, cause we do like volume, what's called volume work is like, ask them how many weddings they need to break even, you know? So like for me, it'd be like 28 weddings. I need 28 weddings at my base price per year to break even, or I need 24. Um, if they don't know that number, don't talk to them. No, uh, oh, so, like they, okay, they should know what's up. But, um, but once you get your business established, it's just saving money. Oftentimes you feel like every dollar you make, you have to put back in the business. Mm-hmm. You like feel guilty if you don't. And so for me, uh, I was that way. And oftentimes if I needed money to pay my personal rent or my personal meal or car stuff, right. I would always pay for, um, uh, I would always just pull money from my business account and then use it personally and be like, okay, cool, like whatever. Uh, but the reality is like we start businesses to enjoy life and to uh, get more out of life and, and getting married helped with this a lot because my wife was like, well, how much do you make? And I was like, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> you know, like here's my accounts. There's plenty in this this one that is the business account and uh, you know, I just pull from that whenever we need it. And she was like, what about retirement? What about, you know, saving for us personally? Like if we want to do stuff on the house, and I'm like, oh yeah, the business can't pay for that. Um, and so I actually read this book called Profit First and it basically mm-hmm. was a principle of like, every time you get a gig, um, take a certain percentage off and just put it away. Just put it away. Uh, a different account, save it. Exactly, yeah. I would say a different account is super helpful. And that's like the basic goal of it for me. And like, it's helped me so much because like, I don't know if you're like me, but like if I have money, I'll spend it. I'll find a way, you know, like. Uh, <laughs> if, you, if you can see it and you know you got, you got a little extra fun. Exactly. And if you keep a track and like, way in two, if you get to this place where you're like, I could always make more, right? Like I, I just try and find another I gig. Think, I think I think the more important question here is, how do freelance creatives generate more business? Mm. I, I think I think that's the question. And that also leads into my other question that I had was, I was, some I had an interesting perspective on it that I saw in someone else's. Um, do you believe that sales and marketing are a good thing? Like, do you mm. do you believe in that? Because I recently saw this photographer I follow from the area. I'm not gonna say his name. He's a great guy though. Sure. Um, and and actually I could. Yeah, it's Pierre. He's been he's been on the podcast. He's super cool guy, kind of okay. spiritual. But he was like he was like yeah. He was like you don't ever have to do sales or do marketing if as long as you're putting out great work, it'll come mm. to you. Yeah. And I replied back to his story and I was like I agree with you, but n- I don't. Because I, I think that in some essence you should, I mean, what are your, what's your perspective on it? Like, do you do it? Yeah. So I think, uh, we'll go backwards. So we'll start with that and and we'll get to the income generating is I would agree. And most artists would want that, right? Like we talked about before the podcast is like, we just want people to love us and book us for our work. That's the ideal way. That's like the ideal. It comes to you essentially. Exactly. Like we need 10, just 10 Bruce Allen fans per year to book you for 10 to $15,000 gigs. And that's it. Like that's what you need. Right. Um, but oftentimes we find ourselves booking, 25, 35, 50, 100 gigs of varying income levels. And a percentage of those are probably Bruce Allen fans. They're Bruce Allen diehards. Um, 
And then other people were like, I just need a photographer or I just need a headshot photographer. And I think there's an element. If every person, every, every person on the planet, if they were all people who purchased with intention, then I would say Pierre is 100% on point. Mm-hmm. Because people would say, I'm going to have Bruce Allen do my headshot or I'm going to have Adam Mason shoot my wedding. There are people like that for me, but that's not every wedding that I book. Um, the goal for any business, though, is to have all diehards, you know, like that's like brand ambassadors. Like that would be amazing. Um, but oftentimes that doesn't happen. Like I think there are people that love Starbucks. I think there are people that are okay with Starbucks and there are people that hate Starbucks. Yeah. Um, two of those three crowds go to Starbucks, you know, um, when it's convenient. And so for me, I think sales and marketing is something that you still have to do because we don't live in a hundred percent intentionally based purchasing world, which sounds insane. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it goes back to what we said of like, you know, I don't think my parents care what kind of car they drive. They, you know, Toyota has a good reputation to them. They're kind of like, that's we're like, Hey, it doesn't break down. Um, and so they're like, yeah, it does the job. It feels nice when I sit in it. It has good gas mileage. Yeah, right? Well, I mean, it's like, I, I feel like people can, like if you do put out good work, if you like good, whatever, that's the best it, first it, step. It'll come to you. And I feel like that's a very natural, organic way to get clients, to get sales. But totally. I, but I don't think that's, I think for, I don't some, think it stops there. I, I think for some people personally, I think for some people it can work there. Like that, sure. that, that 100%, that model just works for their life. Maybe totally. lucky or whatever it is. And those yeah. other people, I don't know. But I think for a majority of people, that's not the case. Like I would agree. Yeah. How, it might how, be a season for people. Maybe like you can have wedding photographers can have a good year where it might be like, Hey, I think only five of my clients out of my 35 were like not big fans of me, you know, or maybe they were just like, Hey, mm-hmm. we need a wedding photographer. Adam took a job, whatever. Yeah. Whereas like, you know, the goal we'll, we'll say like wedding photographer, uh, like euphoria is like they email you, Hey Adam, we've followed your work for a few years. We just got engaged. What dates are you available that we can book our wedding? Like that's, Oh geez, that sounds like a great freaking email. That's the goal. And they're yeah. like, here's our budget, have all our money or whatever. Right. And so the majority of my clients are that way, which is we've worked really hard to get there. But I still have, I still feel like I have to hustle, you know, for that extra five, 10 weddings, which for me might be 20, 40% of my income or gross revenue. So like, um, I think there are those artists out there, right? And there's big photographers, right? How, well, yeah, the big photographers with names, I feel like it just comes in the door. Like you probably have to say yeah. no to things. Like it's like, it seems like there's a disparity, a disparagement between or whatever the correct verbiage is. It's like, <laughs> like, People who are on the higher, like the higher, like mm. almost like two halves where you're so known and your work's so good where it all comes to you. Sure. But people who are trying to get there and you have to like get it. Totally. Like you have to be out there getting it, making sales, whatever, however you get sales, like whether totally. it's like Facebook ads, in person, cold yeah. calls. Like how do you get, how do you do sales marketing? Yeah. So I think I would be in the middle of those. So I think I'm, I'm on the journey of hopefully trying to get up there mm-hmm. to where people are like, we want Adam, Adam's the guy. Yeah. Um, but that's not going to be all my clients. I, for me, I, I get really nerdy about this because I teach this. This is my number one thing for photographers is like building a referral network. So it's not just all my eggs are in the word of mouth basket or all my eggs are in the Facebook ads or the SEO or the Instagram baskets. Like we need to diversify and like one, you need to know what your number one in lead source is yeah. and then take care of that lead source. Love that lead source. Like if it's Instagram, you need to be on Instagram every day saying hi on stories. I know it sucks, but just be like, what's up? You know, um, 
like for me, my biggest lead source last year was Instagram. I'm not sure really? it is this year. Yeah. Uh, which is crazy. Like o- over six figures just from Instagram. No shit. Yeah. Yeah. I'll show you. I'll, is I'll, that, no. is that sponsored post or is that you no. just in, interacting, engaging with people? A hundred percent. Just regular engagement. I, I haven't advertised on Instagram last year. We just started this year so because you, of that. Do you have like a specific Instagram strategy? Uh, I wish I want one of uh, my, I mean, mostly authenticity. That's the number one thing. And it's so weird, Bruce, like, and maybe this is because I grew up as like not a cool kid. It's so weird to be like, people like you, people like Bruce, people like Adam. And I'm like, nobody likes me. Right. But uh, some odd number of followers do and people comment, engage and watch. And it, the weirdest thing, the window just opened again. That's so creepy. Oh, it's creepy. Uh, but we're thankful for the breeze. Some uh, pressure. Yeah. But we, um, like, it's so weird when I show up to a shoot and people will one, know my wife's name two know what she does and be like, Hey, how's Sarah? Dude, I totally know what you're talking about. How people yeah. know information and details about you. Right. From like, stories or dude, like, yeah, I used to be way more fa- like face, uh, face forward in my sure. Instagram stories. Like I used to be on like every day, like what's up fam. And like way more, I just, <laughs> just kind of drift away from it. Yeah. But in a lot of ways I think back to that because people would like know things about my life. I wouldn't expect them to They'd oh, be like, yeah. Oh, you're at the temple of flex. I'd always refer to the gym of that, yeah. you know, or whatever it was. And, and they would like make these references. I'm like, I just met you dog. Like, yeah, they like, know you more than you know that. Yeah, isn't that nuts? And that's a, I think that's a weird, but awesome thing. Like it's both a permission and a, uh, you know, it's like you're giving permission to that for that to happen. And you know that that's happening. So you're just like, all right, I guess we're going to be on Instagram, you know? Um, but for me, my strategy is to show up and my number one thing is in the world of social media is, is just to be real, you know? And like, I do you put like a lot of time to interacting with people. Is that what it is? Like you purposely take time to like, yeah, I would say my number one thing, the thing I teach to my mentees is, and this is like a fun little strategy. If you're like an event or a wedding photographer, I'm not sure I'd have to adapt the strategy for like portrait and corporate, but, um, I'll just go to the wedding venues location tag mm-hmm. and I'll comment on a hundred photos all at once and I'll, authentic comments. I'll be like, this looks amazing. Cause it's just from random people that were there. Right. So it's like almost organic Instagram ads, you know, when you target people in a certain location, I'll just go on there and be like, this photo looks great, but that dress looks amazing, girl. You've been killing it. You know? Um, and I'm just like super authentic in those comments. And then, you know, the return, it used to be so, like almost a hundred percent. All those people would follow you. Really? Um, but now it's probably like 40%. Um, but people are interested because people that go to those wedding venues are also engaged. You got to know your clientele. So like they're also engaged they're in a relationship they like cool wedding photos or especially if I shot a wedding there the past weekend I go really ham on it on that location or if a couple has a hashtag I'll like go really ham on it I'll comment on every single person's post um, and be like I love when you were dancing to that song or you know do you remember Blink-182 last night that was sick and they're like I think the, you know, again, going back to the first thing I said is like people buy from brands they know, like, and trust. The first step is no. And so they see me in their comments and they're like, man, this guy gets it. Or man, this guy, he's different. He, you know, like we don't expect to get an Instagram comment from like the caterers, you know, or the florists or yeah. the DJ, but the, the photographer, he knows what's up. And, um, that's, that's the first such, step. That's such a Gary Vee strategy. <laughs> it's a, uh, yeah, it's, I'm always, I'm a big fan of things you can do multiple times all the time 
with that aren't, uh, I forget the name of it, but it's like, you can't automate it. You know, it's like, hey, let's it's just go for that it. you do yourself. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. It's so crazy how uh, some comments and engagements makes you six figures off of freaking Instagram, dude. Yeah, I'd say it's a combination of that, good work that aligns with people, right? Proper hashtags and all stuff. No, but that's so smart. Like, that is using Instagram as a tool. That's not, 100%. That's not like being addicted to Instagram and just scroll for a reason. Like, you're actually on Instagram to do something with an objective. Totally. Like, and, and these are real comments. You're not just there like, hey, hey I'm just trying to scam you. Like, no, like, these are real comments that you yeah. think. We've all gotten that comment that's like, nice pick, nice capture. Yeah. Take a look like, at my feed. I don't do that. Yeah. Things. Like, and, yeah. and sure, it's part strategic. I get that. But like, at the yeah. same time, it's like, you mean it. I drop a lot of fire emojis. You yeah. know? <laughs> or like, a, I try to like, uh, align with the person who's there. So if it's like a girl in a dress or a, a bunch of girls having fun, I'm like, girl, you're killing it. You know, whatever. Or just like, <laughs> Hey, like that soul cycle has been doing good. Or I don't know. Like I try, I want to be nice. I want to be encouraging about it. Um, that's interesting. You got me thinking. What was I, saying? I was going to say the other thing is I feel like I'm in this boat. A lot of people like go and we get on Instagram or Facebook and we just scroll. And then when we're done scrolling, we feel like garbage rather yeah, when we went to Instagram to feel good. It feels so nice. So I want to have a limit, a daily limit on how much I can use Instagram. I just set it to an hour, um, which is still a lot. I need to cut it down, but it makes me more intentional. I'll be like, all right, I'm going to check a few stories, see what's up. Like Bruce is one of the people that pop up in my like top up there because yes. it only pops up there if you watch it a lot and I watch all of your stuff. So I was like, all right, what's Appreciate up? That. But they, uh, like it makes me more intentional because all right, I have a job to do. I'm going to go in. I'm going to say what's up to, you know, these three venues or whatever, you can come up with your own strategy and like you feel better when you've been intentional about what you're doing yeah. than like mindlessly scrolling, searching for inspiration or searching for like something to fulfill you. And, um, it's helped me a lot cause I, I'm one of those guys. Like I get like, uh, like I want to compare myself to other photographers. Dude, that's the worst or, part you know, about it is you I get see tons on there, of wedding stuff. You, know? you get on there. Sometimes you get on there to actually with an objective and then you forget and you end up just like getting lost or, totally. or, or you just get on there and you're just like, Oh God, I, I am so insignificant because right, it feels, this, you this, feel so this small. Twenty year old photographers over here shooting in Bali, and you're just like, yeah. what am I doing with myself? <laughs> yeah, right? exactly. It's like, what's going on here? Yeah, but like, oh, this guy has Beyonce's phone number. WTF? No, it's, <laughs> yeah, it right. makes sense when you see um, you see a lot of people who become like bigger influencers or whatever photographers and other entrepreneurs who like it always feels like they scheduled their time to go on Instagram stories, but it makes sense. It's like, Oh, they're just going to go on. They're going to speak their mind, say what they got to do. And then they're going to get off and they're going to not like feel bad about themselves. <laughs> you know, it's, well, a, it's, it's also like, it's like, do you have shit to do? I feel like if you're actually busy yeah. and you don't spend time on it. Yeah. I want everything I do from whatever, like business hours I set, which I, I don't really recently, but, uh, I want it to benefit my business, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's easy as a freelancer too, to like, <clears throat> and it is nice some days when you're like, I'll do a little bit of work, do four hours of work, and then I'll like order Uber Eats, watch Netflix, get back to work, right? Um, but there's sometimes now, especially when you have a, you know, either a wife or a family or kids or jobs or soccer or whatever, like you have other priorities that you also want to make time for. And, and those like, I always say, I tell my mentees and I tell myself this, it's like when Bruce goes to soccer, we're not necessarily thinking that as investing in like his photography, but that makes Bruce a better Bruce. Like Bruce is happier when he plays soccer in person. Yeah. Like even just for you, you're just like, I'm happier when I get to play soccer. No, so soccer hates me. It broke my toe. Yeah. Yeah. I don't yeah. like soccer anymore. Yeah. Fuck soccer. Whenever that. you get to like go out drinking or you go shooting or go to yoga or whatever, like, uh, you know, people's peace and rest is whatever that means to them, you know? So, but it's like the best clients are the ones that were like, Hey, a better Adam is a better photographer for me. So like mm. take all the time you need or whatever, like, you know, 
there are two different kinds of clients, right? And you have corporate clients all the time, right? Where we, they're like, hey, we have this campaign launching and we need, need this deadline. But you have those clients sometimes when they're like, hey, take all the time you need. We want it to be great. We want you to feel confident in the product you released. And you're yeah. like, these people get it. You know, and you still obviously do a good job. Don't fully take your time. But like, um, it's so nice when people get it, you know? So it's people, again, that's another millennial thing. People want the best thing made by people who feel like it's their best. You've got a positive outlook on millennials. <laughs> I mean, most, I'm one, right? This is the most millennial positive podcast I've ever heard of. Yeah. Most talk I ever hear about millennials, even from millennials, is just a terrible thing. Yeah, I mean, well, there's, I think we, as man, if we want to talk like this, my uneducated opinion would be millennials were not set up for the success that we were told we could have. Mm. And so I'm a big fan of like, like that's why I feel lucky. I'm just like, hey, I could easily be a guy working a blue collar job. Yeah. Um, you could be that mechanic in Delaware. Dude, 100%. Be working on some cars, slinging oil changes for 12 bucks an hour, and I'd be loving life, you know? Um, but it's, I get to do what I do now, and it's so crazy. And I think like necessity is the mother of invention, right? Mm. So it's like a lot of millennials, we, we might not have those like blue collar skills that our parents like make fun of us for not having, uh, or, you know, the, the, the Gen Xers make fun of us for not be able to fix a toilet. Yeah. But it's like, we know how to solve problems and Mm -hmm. want to solve problems. And I was talking to my wife about this the other day, which is like politics in general, red, blue, whatever. We are the generation that unlike generation, we don't have that fear. That's like, of a certain side, we, we have a fear of doing things wrong in general. And then we also like, we're very aware and we say like, this is not okay. You know, of certain situations. Mm. Right. And we want to rectify things, which yeah, I think, I, th- I think millennials are actually, they, I think they are hardworking. Like that's what yeah. oh, they say. Oh, 100%. millennials are lazy. I'm like, I don't oh. know how many internships did you have that were non-paid. It's right, a hundred percent. Yeah, it, I feel like there's so many more examples where it's like millennials are working longer, they're working later. And totally. Then, and then on top of that, why does it seem like every millennial has a side hustle? Yeah. And then on top of that, now we're maintaining an Instagram appearance or yep. brand on top of like yeah. your job and then the thing you actually want to pursue. It's 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 so different than me. It's so yeah. different than than I think people think about. definitely millennials want to work. You know, I think people like they get a bad rap, and so yeah, I don't know. I'm a millennial. I like working. I like to. You're barely millennial. I'm barely millennial. Thirty. Like thirty. Like barely there. Eighty nine. Yeah. So I, I, yeah, I guess nineties is like millennialish. Oh. Uh, Okay. Grew up on the internet, right? Yeah. I think it's like the milestone. Did you grow up on the internet? I feel like I did, yeah. yeah. I mean, I went, I went to high school for computer science. It's like we had majors in high school, so I like had wow. a comp sci. So I mixed it with the mechanics and the comp sci. So like I was like coding in basic, and then we'd go like do an oil change. Jesus. That was funny. I was a weird kid. A little bit of, little bit of both worlds there. That was my goal. I just wanted to be like one of my goals when I was in high school, I, I never, I never expressed it this way, but now I can see what my goal was. Is like I wanted to be useful, you know. Like if if somebody needed something, I wanted to be the guy that could do it for them, you know. Oh so, yeah. I don't know. I still feel like that. Like when I'm on big sets, uh, like one of my interns, one of my internships uh, that was unpaid was with a film company in Philly, and I. I just learned as much as I possibly could. And I, I never wanted to be like the director or the DP. Like I just wanted to be a good grip, you know, or a good mm-hmm. PA and like, yeah, I'm only making $150 today. Great. Which out of college, that was awesome. And like, I'm getting to work with a red camera. I'm getting to shoot for like, I got to meet Wu-Tang clan on my internship. That's <laughs> <what>? <laughs> 
<laughs> like all of them, Method Man and, Re- and Redman were there? Sadly, uh, it was Method Man and Jizza. That weren't there? No, they were the ones that were there. Oh, the one time I saw them live, Method Man was there. Was okay. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and then it's it's just like, I was just wanted to be useful. I wanted to be helpful. And um, and I love making stuff. So like, I love this. Po- Even if we don't release this podcast, I'd be like, got to make some of a Bruce today. That's oh, cool. No, 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 we should no. release it, obviously. I've, I've, I've had that happen once. <laughs> and that, it was, oh, so. This is the darkest day for you? It was a dark day to realize that my audio was set to, uh, my computer speak my computer oh, microphone and not yeah. my studio microphone yeah. I got here. Yeah, that really Ugh. hurt my feelings. Even telling the other person really hurt. It just is like a gut punch. Yeah, because you're like, we have to do that again. We want to make this organic magical thing twice. You're like, oh god. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I was like, I was like, all right, we're gonna give a few months. I'm gonna forget everything about you. Yeah. Then we're gonna, then we're gonna circle back. Right? Because podcasters are curious. Like right? that's the number one thing. I love that. Like I just when I have people on my podcast, I just want to know about them. Like, yeah. what's up? Like why that's, that's exactly how I approach it too. It's like if I had you on again, we would just be talking. Like yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't be asking you about shit unless we would just be talking about stuff. Like, yeah, exactly. That's awesome, man. Ugh. You been watching any TV shows lately? Dude, I'm more of a YouTube content guy. Okay. What's I, your favorite YouTube? Like, what's in your subscriptions at the top? Like, who's... Um, Joe Rogan. Okay. No Jumper. Yeah. You know No Jumper is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Adam22. Yeah, Adam22. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Gary Vaynerchuk. Okay. Um, Those are all podcasts I listen to, ironically. Yeah, I don't, I don't watch the YouTube podcasts. content. Like, they all have podcasts. That's like, what you should do. I mean, if you want to... If you have one camera, like, you should produce both. And well, that's what it is. It's like you have to operate access. in both fields. Like, and yeah. that's been my goal since I've begun this whole thing is I want to operate like even for the podcast, I want to have the YouTube and the Instagram yeah. and the podcast, the, the mm. whole sort of compliment to it. Totally. God dang, is all the storm out there? Yeah, a little shit, bit. Dude? But just so people can have, yeah. I love I'll, I'll tell you what I, what I was watching last night that did blow my mind before we wrap up here. Yeah. I was watching I don't know how this channel got to me. It's called like Resident Advisor. There's oh. this thing in Japan called Listening Bars. Okay. So check this out. So it's it's a bar, of course. Sure. But the focus is on like high fidelity music. Awesome. And, and then they always have DJs, but the DJ isn't like the focal point and no one's like they're facing the DJ, like mm. jumping and fist pumping. It's like an experience where you go there to chill, relax. They have this like crazy beautiful speaker system, which is like also like top of the line. Right. And yeah. the DJ's like always spinning vinyl and it just sounds amazing. And it's like a whole vibe and it's, Dude. they're called listening bars because the emphasis is on like community and high fidelity good time and yeah. just good sounding music and not necessarily like crazy ratchet sure. stuff. It's like, do people, it, uh, do people talk or are they yeah, yeah, just yeah, yeah. listening? No, 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 no. People talk, but it's like speakeasy mm. meets like concert. Okay. Like, so like a little speakeasy bit. vibes, like dim. Yeah. Like Japanese style bar. Sure. You know? Yeah. But then like hip DJ. Dude, and I like, love that. And like super hyped. I'm like, I'm like, this is a whole vibe that is needs to be stolen and brought into America. It's Dude, you ever meet, uh, like any guy who's into high fidelity audio and I know it's just being a musician, like, there's guys, you know, like for me, like, you know, I've won Sonos speaker, right? It's the one that has like Alexa in it and you know, like, okay, cool. It sounds good. It's Sonos. That's like commercial yeah. you know, level. But like you meet anybody who's like an audiophile and they're like real into it and not just like is flack better than wave. If they're like, oh God. if they got the speakers behind it, they're like, you need to come over to that person's house with another person. One, just to be safe. Cause a lot of them might be creepy, but two, listen to anything they play you, you know, just like, Have what's their favorite to anything on high fidelity? Like I've only been in one room in college. So my first two, two years in college at being a music major, I took a lot of like sound reinforcement classes mm-hmm. and stuff. Um, 
And so I got to go to, I forget the name of the company, but it was a speaker factory that made like PA speakers and stuff like that. And they had a high fidelity like oh. testing room. Um, that was pretty cool. It was only for a few minutes, but the, the experience is really good. I, I found even just searching for, I found that because of like our phones and I, I like phones both for photo video. Like I, I told somebody today they wanted to buy like a Canon rebel and I was like, bro, just get an iPhone. Just like, just buy an iPhone X or whatever, iPhone 10. Um, cause I'm like the, the bottom of the market has been overtaken by smartphones. Like just that, do that, that. That's a great point. Unless you're actually trying to get that rebel to practice. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But if you just want good photos, you're absolutely right. Get the iPhone 10. Yeah. And you already feel comfortable with it. There's something about it, like the low lights probably better anyways, dude. Yeah. And people buy, there's so many Canon like T2s, rebels, all this stuff just sitting in people's like offices at their house because they felt intimidated. Like they shot an auto and then they were like, okay, it doesn't feel cool. Like, it, it, and I feel they have my, their phone all the time and the phone will shoot whatever. Dude, anyway, I actually, I actually read the story the other week about, um, this guy who, who's, who he put down his camera. He said, all right, I'm going to take photos for like six months using only my iPhone. Yeah. He edited it on iPhone. He had like Lightroom on his iPhone. Ugh, he ended up getting so some campaigns from it. Right. And, 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 they, and they would even go to him like, yo, we want you to do something just like this. And he was like, Hey guys, I use my iPhone. And they're like, yeah, that's cool. Just whatever you do, we want that. What? And so he legit made it work. And at the end of it, he was like, yeah, he was like, you know, it was cool. Like it gave me a new perspective because it was always yeah. on me. He's like, I, right. I could shoot something everywhere and I could edit it. And I was like, but then he was also like, you know, uh, I, I was missing a lot of features and like low light was, sure. was pretty tough and yeah. he missed But it's getting better though. Like, it's kind of scary. Yeah. Do you know, um, getting gigs off of it. Austin Mann? No. So he was like the first person to shoot, uh, like crazy kind of Nat Geo vibe kind of stuff, but like landscapes, cool stuff. He'd go to another country, test out the new iPhone camera and then would always, he had a connect. He'd always send it to Apple and just be like, Hey, check this out, check this out. And they were always kind of like, Meh, that's cool. And then the iPhone became, it's the most popular uh, camera on Flickr, which I know Flickr's not like whatever, but yeah. uh, it like tracks how many cameras are being used. So it's this very popular f camera and so now Apple's very interested in it. And he was the first one to have that like shot by iPhone billboard. There's this guy named Austin Mann. Whoa. And, and now that's like a, that's a cultural thing. Like you see these big photos and you're like, oh, Apple is basically, people are always like, you can't print photos from a phone. And Apple's like, nah, dog. I, I have one of that same thing. It's like the side of a 10 story apartment complex. It's and huge. It's an Apple photo. I'm like, I feel like it should be way more grainy than that. Yeah. I mean, they definitely, some people did some work, but even Austin, like I know for a fact, just because I know him a little bit is like, he shot it with his real phone and like, you know, they, they're big fans of like, this is not supposed to be an Apple podcast, but like, um, shooting with the phone, having like other equipment around the phone and using the phone as like the central piece. Uh, you can make some really good stuff, man. Dude, I always thought if Apple came out with a DSLR, I'd get it. Oh yeah. 100%. I, I'm ready. I only upgrade now because of the battery. Like I keep telling my wife, the iPhone 10 R, the colored ones, I'm, they have a matte black one and that's my favorite like aesthetic. And I'm like, that's what I want. And I was like, I have a white glass, shiny mm. cracked iPhone right now because I want the real camera. Um, because other than my big DSLR, that's what I shoot on all the time. Like my phone is my phone. That's so true. So what do you shoot on by the like? way? What's your rig? Uh, right now I, I've been Nikon for like five years. Oh my God. I know I used to shoot Canon. I had five D threes. It was, it was cool. I missed the lenses. Um, but, uh, I shoot Nikon D eight fifties. So they're like, that's a nice camera though. It's so great. It's, it's a workhorse. It definitely feels like in your hand, you're not like, Oh, this is a fun camera. Like even the five D's I was like, Oh, this is fun. It feels nice. The menu's great. Nikon's like, here's this, like the equivalent of a Hummer, like the, the car, <laughs> the Hummer, uh, in a camera. And they're like, yeah, it's tough. You can throw it. You can punch it in the face. Um, 
but it's pretty great. And it's, um, and again, I, I have two of them and you know, I shoot last year we did 230,000 images, uh, in a year. So like counted, huh? Yeah. I mean, in my Lightroom, I make a Lightroom catalog for every year. So, um, just so Lightroom runs faster. Uh, if you want tips, DM me, uh, <laughs> it, it can be slow. Um, when you're doing high volume work, that's when you like, you're pressing the limits of everything, you know, like yeah. imagine shooting like, Again, I shoot 3,000 images a weekend, maybe on a, on a low wedding. Constantly juggling that storage. Dude, I have a 160 terabyte server at home, and I, it's taken me years to like finesse that, and how does this work? How can I make sure this is like quick enough to like, oh, I need a photo from 2011, which doesn't happen often, but I wanna, I'm a pack rat. Like I wanna be able to look at old work, and like right now I'm in the process of redoing all my old landscape work from traveling, because I never post mm -hmm. that, because most shoot weddings, right? But it's like, I've been to a few different countries or I like my wife and I went to Curacao in April and I'm like, Oh, I want to, I want to post some cool landscape stuff. And so I have a personal account now that like I deleted all the posts off of and I'm like starting fresh with like, ah, oh, yeah, I'm just having fun. I want to do that too. Like just like my own personal shit post photography page. Dude, where just it's like do it. Yeah. Bruce, Bruce Allen personal, all my film stuff, all anything I want. Totally. I've been feeling so limited by the gram. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. But anyways, man, dude, we try to wrap this up soon. <laughs> we should. Because, because I think I a guest coming soon. And is that a boat pulling up? My God. Oh, it's just rain. Anyways. Yeah. <laughs> dude, um, thank you so much for coming on, dude. dude absolutely, man. It was a pleasure. Yeah, I is, love this it. This has been super cool chat, sitting and chatting with you, man. I love it. Anytime with my studio yeah. mates, man. Oh, yeah. And uh, guys, please check them out on Instagram. It's uh, Mason Photography, right? Yeah. Come say hi. Boom. Check it out in the description if you want. Definitely should. That's it. That's the angle. Peace out. I said, no, I just gotta stop. Dude, I love it. No. Yeah, hi, awesome. brother. That's fucking sick. Dude, I love it, man. Thank okay. you so much. This dude in this room, too.